Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. It was a very busy football championship weekend with every team in action across the Sam Maguire competition and the Talchin Cup. But does bigger necessarily mean better? Many people have questioned the new football format and whether it is delivering enough jeopardy. That is one of the many talking points we will dig into on today's episode of the Throw-In Football Show. It's just not good for the championship. The situation where you can have four games and win none of them and you're still in the championship. For instance, Mayo could win the All-Ireland, and Mayo, in fairness, Mayo and Galway are the only two on full points so far, but they could win the All-Ireland with seven games. Another team could have four games, win none, still in the championship, and come back and win it. It just doesn't look right to me, I have to say. Will Slattery here with you, and I'm delighted to be joined by Martin Brettany and Frank Roach for our chat today. And Martin, you were writing about the new football format in, in the Irish Independent last week. Some interesting points you raised. A couple of them were, I suppose, you know, playing 24 matches just to eliminate four teams ahead of the preliminary quarterfinals. The fact that maybe Kildare or Sligo, one of them could progress to those preliminary quarterfinals despite not winning any of their round-robin games and losing their final provincial championship game. So four matches in a championship without a victory, still not seeing a team eliminated. You know, what have you made of the first two rounds of matches, you know, ahead of, the final round next week and, and whether you think the format is working. Well, you, you mentioned Jeopardy earlier on there, uh, Will, and there was little enough Jeopardy in, in, in what, we, what we've seen so far. I mean, uh, as you look at the tables, most of the most of them would, are shaping up pretty much as, as we would have expected, certainly in terms of the teams that will, that will exit. I suppose they own, everyone, everyone would have said that Loud would go, probably that Westmead would go, that uh, Clare and Sligo Go or the, would be the four to to uh, not qualify. Now Sligo are still in with the chance because, albeit a, a a small chance of result, they won't beat Dublin obviously. And and but Kildare, Kildare and themselves could end up in a point each. So then it will come down to scoring difference. And at the moment Kildare minus nine, Sligo minus ten. So that's the only. So you've had all these games, and really for what uh, we we, we, know, we know we knew in advance virtually all of the teams that would come through to the knockout stages. And 24 games to get rid of four is just too many, I think. And I think it demeans the championship. I really do that. That there's so many. And as I say, you knew you knew who, who was almost certainly going to go. There were no, there have been no, no real, no real shocks. I suppose Sligo drawing with Kildare, it was common in Dublin, but that was at the other end of the table. And obviously they'll both go through. But just think too many, too many, too many uh, uh, teams qualify. I know why they did it, i.e., to avoid perhaps r- r- dead rubbers in the last round and. There, there won't be any, with the exception, perhaps, of well, Clare playing uh, Derry. It's it's dead for Clare. They're out of it. Derry won't want to top that group, so they, it'll be still live for them. But uh, the others, all the other groups, are live in terms of um, 
something to play for for every team. But um, is, is that is that enough reason to play 24 games to get rid of four? Not in my opinion. Hmm. Frank, what do you think? Do you think it demeans the championship? Would you agree with Martin there? I don't know if I'd go quite that strong, but it is quite clearly an imperfect system. And their problem was that the Super 8s, when we had that, um, you know, four and five years ago, was equally a very imperfect system. And you had several dead rubbers. I remember being at one up in Oma, where Jim Gavin basically played almost an entirely new team, uh, safe in the knowledge that they'd be playing an All-Ireland um, semi-final a week later. Um but, I mean, I was up in Clonus yesterday and on, unlike lots of the matches that we've seen maybe in the last few weeks, it was actually very entertaining, free-flowing between two teams who probably, well, one of them definitely won't win North Ireland because Clare are gone now and Monaghan probably won't win either. But there, it, it was just, um, it was a weird kind of, it was a weird scenario afterwards. I mean, Monaghan... Monaghan's manager, Vinnie Corey, was there wondering, well, you know, we've got to play, uh, we've got to play Donegal now in a couple of weeks. And of course, we'll, we're going to try to win it because you want to keep momentum and it's, it's, it is championship. But is it championship? Because um, Monaghan, Derry and Donegal uh, are all now true. They know they're, they're advancing from that group. So in a way, it hasn't fully eradicated the dead rubbers there either. Um you know, in at least in theory, in the three other groups, everyone is still in with a chance. Uh, but it is, as Martin says, it's just an awful lot of matches played to get rid of four teams. And then we're going to just have this mad run, blitz of matches for a month to basically decide who's going to win the All-Ireland. Yeah, Martin, when you've watched the first two rounds, do these questions you have around the format, do you think it's been manifesting itself in, I suppose, the intensity of the games? Or like when you watch some of these matches, have you felt that it's maybe a, a pitch below what you'd expect when it's actually meant to be a full-blooded championship game with maybe the loser being eliminated? Yeah, I think well, you're going to you're going to you're going to think that anyway, because you know that if the team loses, that they're not out of it. But so it's it's hard to actually judge that angle of it, but I, but but it's it's a it's a factor. It's a factor. There's no doubt about that. And I think you see, Frank mentioned the the, the super eights before. I must say I was never a great fan of of these round robins, and certainly not at that late stage of the, at that late stage of the championship. As far as I'm concerned, this uh, the, the a team should a team should get two chances, and there was a lot to be said for the qualifiers. Maybe the basis of which they were found, i.e., through the provincial championships and and all the imperfections and imbalances that apply there. But I think if you get two chances in the championship, if you lose twice, you should be gone. And that's where uh, that's not the situation here. And and the the the, the difficulty with it is everybody's everybody's the championship hasn't started yet. Like when, and then. We're into what now? The first week in June, or by the time the the round robin finished with the 18th of June, and the all out of finals, what six weeks later? And to be this as strength of this mad bash, teams out, preliminary quarterfinals, quarterfinals, semifinals, and then all over. I I I, I was surprised, I have to say, that they went so for they went for this uh, this system, this uh, the, the system of four fours as as they did because the super eight did show up flaws and just amending it to make it three out of four. On one hand, it made it look better, but on the other hand, it just made it it made it too easy for all for all the big the big counties to get through. I mean, there, there won't be anybody missing there that you'd say would would um, uh, and any surprise whatsoever. And that's that's the difficulty with this. And I, I think it's got to be reviewed. It probably won't, but I think it should be it should be reviewed and and light of what we've seen so far and the light of 
Um, it's just not good for the championship. The situation where you can have four games and win none of them, and you're still in the championship. For instance, Mayo could win the All Ireland, and I mean, Mayo, in fairness, Mayo and Galway are the only two on full points so far. But they could win the All Ireland with seven games. Um, as as if they, if they were to proceed on top of the group, which they and uh, so they could win it with seven. But another team could have four four games, win none, still in the championship, and come back and win it. I, I, it just doesn't look right to me. I have to say, Frank, what would you say the public kind of buy in has been across the you know the opening rounds? Just even looking at some of the attendance figures have been maybe a bit disappointing. Kildare Dublin, you know, I think was less than ten thousand in Nolan Park. I know it was a you know a venue not in either of the counties, but I think people would have been hopeful that that would attract a bit more. You know, Derry Donegal yesterday. I don't think had had a massive crowd either compared to maybe their their meeting in the Ulster final the previous year. Like, have the public maybe taken a similar view that the real action hasn't really started yet, and maybe they're kind of eyeing up bigger matches to come in a, in a couple of weeks' time for their counties instead. I think they have, but in fairness, I think in in lots of ways attendance figures at matches where it's not all or nothing have been coming down for for several years. You know, I mean, you know, uh, we saw we, we you look at how the Leinster final attendance graph has gone over the last fifteen years, uh, and when there when there was a level of jeopardy when Dublin weren't guaranteed to win it, the Dubs were filling out Croke Park every day, even for Leinster semi-finals. You don't see that anymore. You know, we're down to whatever it was. Was it thirty thousand? Uh, even like say the 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 double header there a week ago in Croke Park, where Dublin were playing uh, Dublin were playing Roscommon and the Dublin. Hurlers were playing Galway. It was thirty thousand, and there wasn't thirty thousand in there at any one time. You can be sure. Um, so I, I, I think the attendance figures are quite telling. Uh, if you consider that Mayo for most home league matches attract attendances usually closer to fifteen thousand, and I think the figure yesterday was at somewhere around about eleven thousand. Um, now maybe half of them decided it's a lovely sunny day. We know Mayo are going to get through the group here. Let's all go to the beach instead. Uh, I think there probably is an element of that. Um, it wasn't the uh, Mayo v Loud was probably viewed as not quite as an attractive fixture as, for argument's sake, uh, Kerry coming to Castle Bar on a Saturday night, or the Dubs coming to Castle Bar. You know, so uh, there definitely is an element of that. There's also an element, I think, Frank, of of all the, all these games. I mean, it's costly business if you're <clears throat> and teams and players. The public are are uh, becoming more picky in what they do. I mean, if if you were to attend all the, the three games and then they still in the in the championship and particularly now with the cost of everything, I think that's probably a factor as well that people are, are being a bit choosy about what they how, how and where and when they'll spend their money on it. Well, people go on about the ticket prices, but ticket prices are probably are you know they're well less than fifty percent of your outlay on a championship Sunday. Uh, and if you've got a family of four or five looking to go, uh, I mean you're you're going to be well over two hundred. 200 euros by the end of the day. So you will pick and choose if you're facing seven or eight championship dates in the summer. And that's the point. I mean, you take Louth and, 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 and Mayo yesterday. I mean, Mayo supporters would probably say, well, we're going to win this. I mean, Louth are a Division Two team and they, well, they nearly got caught, but they did win. And it's ahead of a haul across from Louth to to, uh, to Castle Bar. And again, we'll probably know that they wouldn't possibly have anticipated how, how close it would be. But that, that is a factor, and people are being people are being used. But I suppose, that, given all of that, the attendances have been have been quite reasonable. Now, I suppose Dublin v Kildare was was disappointing, but though it was a strange venue for Kildare to pick, though what the, what brought them down to Kilkenny, I don't know. I would have thought Port Leash would have been a far more a far, a far um, a better option for them. I don't I don't know what that was about. The only people who benefited there was obviously Kilkenny 
county board will get uh, some rent money for renting out uh, Norland Park. To, and uh, they don't even have a football team, so it's win-win for Kilkenny. But I would have thought Port Leash would have been... Right. And, and particularly in light of all the talk about the advantage in, for uh, Dublin playing in Crow Park, I'm not sure that was the most judicious uh, intervention either because uh, you, you, you should only say that, I think, when you have, don't have to play the Dubs again that year. In defence of Glenn Ryan, he didn't know that two days later, he, I think the Dubs were going to be drawn against Kildare. Uh, he, maybe he might have bitten his lip otherwise, but it was, uh, yeah, Nolan Park was a very uh, unusual, neutral, very neutral venue for a home Kildare game. And Frank, in terms of this, the on-field stuff then, you know, the Dublin-Kildare game we might go to first, you know, after the draw against Roscommon, people had a lot of more kind of questions about Dublin's form line. They obviously had a pretty comprehensive victory over Kildare. Were they much improved, in your opinion? They were definitely improved uh, based on the Roscommon game. Uh, I mean, and it was interesting to note that, you know, the the informed forwards on the, on the evening were were two of the less heralded uh, Dublin players, you know, guys who've been in the squad for a number of years and have slowly been establishing themselves or sometimes coming in and out of the team. Uh, Sean Buglers, in fairness to him, has probably been Dublin's best forward, I would say, this season so far. He was good. Colly Baskell had a really, you know, influential shift, dynamic. I think he scored five points from play. Um, that was very encouraging. Uh, some very good turnovers, I thought, by some of the the younger Dublin defenders as well on the night. Uh, my only caveat, and this is nothing against Dublin, is that Kildare in the second half, I thought, were terrible. Uh, and we're not just talking about maybe the old failings of shooting poor wide, you know, that sapped the confidence from a team, but some of the unforced turnovers, you know, sloppy hand passes, balls coming out of defence that that they lost when the game was still relatively close. It might have been three or four points in it. Do you know, um, they, they were really, really terrible for a team. You know, with pretensions of of qualifying for the knockout stages. And I mean, it was, I was intrigued by Glenn Ryan's post match comments. I mean, he sounded like a man who had just who was utterly defa- deflated. I think he used the word bewildered. Um, do you know, and and this was coming on top of the the game in Sligo that I was at a couple of weeks before that, where he was equally uh, equally uh, deflated by the performance that day. So you've got to take it in context. Dublin definitely were better. Um, the, 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 the step up came from several of their younger players, but um, it was against a Kildare team that just did not perform, especially in the second half. So, you know, I mean... No more than every other uh, heavyweight contender out there. The jury is still a little bit out on Dublin. Yeah, Martin, it's a funny one. Like, there, there doesn't seem to be any team. Maybe Galway, to be fair, have had a really strong, strong year, but that is kind of massively ahead of the pack, as Frank said. Every kind of contender has, has still probably a few questions to answer, including Dublin. The reason for that is, I think that none of them are were at any stage for the last while uh, since Dublin were on their uh, palm, so to speak. That none of them are that far ahead of each other or, or that far behind of the top, the top three or four. I mean. Uh, Go and May are the only two, the only two teams who have who have full points. But um, no, there's nothing, and all of that. Can, like you take Galway's group, if they were to lose to Armagh next weekend and uh, Tyrone win, then it's three of them on four points, and somebody goes so Tyrone or Armagh could go through to, to this directly to the quarterfinal ahead of Galway. So that's although Galway do have a much better scoring difference at the moment. So there's none of them. There's none of them really showing uh, way out ahead. I suppose. But that's no surprise because there isn't that much of a difference. But Frank mentioned uh, Glenn Ryan there. I mean, 
he, he, some of the quotes, he mentioned, as you say, the word bewildered, but he also said, I don't think we work hard enough. Now, if that's, that's an indictment, I mean, if, if that's his assessment of it, then it suggests that all isn't that, all isn't that well in, in, in Kildare if they're not working hard enough. And you wonder why, what, what is going on? Because, that, like, uh, it, it, you know, he said our problems are within the four walls of the dressing room. So, you know, make what you will of that. But it just doesn't sound uh, all that encouraging, particularly with the uh, match against Roscommon to come. And uh, even if they do make the last the knockout stages, it's hard to see them surviving past the preliminary quarterfinal, whoever they get. Yeah, Frank, they're very stark comments from Glenroy. You know, as, you know they, for a team that actually aren't eliminated yet, to kind of be that blunt and honest about your team's performances, maybe that'd be almost kind of an end of season debrief on the way out of, of the way out of the season. And very much so. And 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 in fairness, when you look at the last fixtures, there there's a chance. I mean, that they won't actually even qualify. I mean, the 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 perception out there is that. Uh, Dublin will beat Sligo with something to spare. Um, but, you know, what happens if Roscommon maintain their form and get a few early goals against Kildare? Uh, and, and, and they beat, you know, they, they could easily, they, they could just as conceivably win and uh, have as heavy a victory over Kildare on current form as Dublin may be over Sligo. Uh, and in that scenario, uh, Kildare would probably lose out in scoring difference. Do you know, so, I mean, it had been... Um, I would imagine Glenn Ryan's frustration th- th- doesn't just stem from maybe Saturday night or the previous match against Ligo, but this has been going on for most of the season. The one performance where they really booked expectation and, you know, c- came like with a well-drilled plan and played with great tenacity was in the Leinster semi-final against Dublin. You know, they lost by two points and, and might just might have a, a sneaked a victory like in, on that day. But, but, you know, they, this is coming on, on the back of, you know, a very deflating league as well. Bear in mind as well that they, they, they wouldn't even have been in the in the, the Sam Maguire tier if, if Offaly had beaten Louth and, and they drew. And, uh, so if Offaly got a late point, they'd now be playing their trade in the in the Talchin Cup. So that's uh, that's that's the reality of it as well. And now Shinch Ella, because that's, not, I, wouldn't, I don't think that's, that would be right either. But but it was that close, one, one point for Offaly and, and Kildare were Talchin Cup bound. Yeah, for one team I'd like to get both of your opinion on is Kerry. And you know, Joe Brodie was writing about their performance against Cork and the Sunday Independent and was very critical, basically saying they're a one-man team and that they're mediocre outside of David Clifford, that they would have lost on Sunday or on Saturday afternoon to a, a poor Cork team, as he as he said it, like you know, very kind of stark stuff from Joe Brodie. But you know, is there anything to that, Frank? Have Kerry this season become even more reliant on David Clifford than they even were when they won the All Ireland? Now I know he's such a fantastic player that it's probably easy to look reliant on them at times, but at the same time, have they kind of stagnated a little bit around them? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, they've, they've stagnated. And and we mentioned, you know, the where did this form come from? But, but it, it probably came from the league as well. And Jack O'Connor said at the outset, I think that, you know, you know, Kerry weren't really going out to win the league this year. Now, whether that sent out a wrong signal or they were just behind the curve uh, in terms of preparation in any event, but they lost, I think... Uh, the three, it was the four matches. I think they lost every away trip in the league. Uh, were never, you know, weren't really ever in the shake up there to 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 reach a final. Um, they were really really bad against Mayo, and this famed defensive system that helped them win the All Ireland, allied of course to David Clifford and, and one or two others last year. I mean, that was nowhere to be seen in Killarney against Mayo that day. Now, even against Cork on Saturday. 
they were they were tighter, but they weren't watertight. I mean, Stephen Sherlock got through for a, a late goal chance, and if he'd scored, you know, it's it's conceivable that Cork could have come and might even have uh, come to, with a kind of grandstand victory charge uh, on the day. And the other thing is, if you look at their their table now, uh, if Kerry lose to Loud the last day and no one expects that to happen. But if they do, chances are they're they're out of the championship. Uh, uh, they would they would lose out to Loud on a head to head. And if Cork get a result against Mayo, they're definitely gone. If Cork only lose narrowly to Mayo, it looks like Kerry could lose out in scoring difference. So I mean, it's a bad state of affairs that that Kerry are coming to the last round. And they could go out unless one or two or several more players, you know, come back to the levels they were playing at last year. And I think in summary, the in a way, the biggest issue they have, apart from the difficulty lots of teams have in defending Sam Maguire other than Dublin, is that they haven't unearthed really top grade quality players to supplement what was there last year. Yeah, Martin, what's your assessment of Kerry? Well, first of all, Kerry... Like uh, David Clifford is a genius. Maybe the best, maybe will be the best player we've ever seen. We don't know, but he's a genius, and he won. The, he just as say in twenty twenty one, Kerry would have, I have no doubt would have been all Ireland champions if David Clifford was playing in the uh, extra time against Tyrone. And just as last year, I think if Conor Callaghan had been playing, that Dublin would be all Ireland champions. So these are the narrow little that uh, have beaten Kerry in that semi final. I think and probably won the final as well. So it isn't as if Kerry were miles ahead of anybody else, and it far from it. And they, they, they uh, but having said that. The thing about Kerry is, and we've seen it before, and if we go, go back to 2009, for instance, when they had they, they, they had uh, come through the qualifiers and Longford ran them close, Sligo ran them even closer. They were in trouble against Antrim and there was trouble in the camp and the whole lot. They came to the All-Ireland quarterfinal against Dublin, who were raging hard favourites, lost, and suddenly Kerry turned it on, won by 17 points. So they'll beat Loud next week, they'll get in there, and they'll still be, they're still... There's no sign they've improved, but will they have to improve to, to retain the All-Ireland? Who knows? Have the others improved? That we don't know either, but they're certainly not... There's nothing special about them other than David Clifford. That's a fact. But and the same applies to all the others as well, that there's, there's, no, there's no outstanding team out there. Then that Kerry haven't, haven't kicked on, we could say, but they, they may not need to kick on. We'll, we'll, we'll see later, but it'd be, it'd be silly rant, I think, to start writing off Kerry uh, once the Championship gets to the knockout stages. At the moment, it's skirmishing and no knockout and uh, when the knockout comes I think they'll be different I, I think the fascinating thing Will would be if like it, it looks like in fairness Kerry are not going to top the group almost certainly um, and either at probably not a preliminary quarterfinal stage but there is the potential for a, a blockbuster quarterfinal there Do you know we, we could have Kerry drawn against Dublin for argument's sake um, Kerry v Mayo well, it can't be Mayo, Kerry v. Mayo, Kerry v. Galway, you know. And that could be the moment that, you know, kickstarts Kerry's season. But either way, um, because they're, you know, they're not going to top their group, there is the potential for, you know, at least one really, really juicy quarterfinal and probably two. And in fairness, at that stage, uh, if we get a few very good matches in Crow Park, you know, the doom and gloom around the football championship might lift for, for a few fleeting weeks at least. Well, there's a strong possibility, Frank, that, that the two All-Ireland winners of the All-Ireland winners last two years will be in the preliminary quarterfinals. I mean, Kerry and Tyrone, but 
that's 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 highly probable that, that the both of them will be there in, in, in the preliminary. And I suppose it does add a little in the sense that you know you're, you're straight out. You're you're they're, you're they go from the last round into the preliminary quarterfinal into the quarterfinal. Isn't it? It's three weeks in the trot, isn't it? So there isn't a there is an advantage, no doubt at all, in in in, in topping the group. Uh, Kerry uh, Kerry won't be doing that now, but. Uh, it's it's that'll be t- that'll be testing whoever it, whoever uh, who, for those counties, but certainly it looks as if the two winners, two out of the winners, last two years will be in the in the preliminary quarterfinals as opposed to the quarterfinals. Whether it matters in the long run is another matter, of course. Well, on, on paper, it does seem to be you know to get the extra week's rest to you know progress straight through to the last eight. I know it's probably not the most exciting way to sell the twenty-four matches as we mentioned to eliminate four teams, but it could ultimately be quite significant, as you said, Frank, like carrying the preliminary quarterfinals. There could be a tough, you know, maybe they could have to play Armagh potentially in that preliminary quarterfinal. I know Armagh's four line isn't great, but you know, potentially it's not an easy preliminary quarterfinal. It's not one you'd maybe tick them straight through to the last eight already. So there could be, you know, a, a few shocks still to come before we even get to Crow Park. Well, I suppose this is the other reason why it's it's important for teams if they have a chance, maybe not to top the group, but to finish second rather than third, uh, you know, on the weekend after next, because. You know, if you finish second, at least you've got a home preliminary quarterfinal. And, you know, if if Kerry were to sleepwalk their way into third place in the group uh, and suddenly they're, you know, they're facing a, you know, a trip to the, uh, you know, the athletic grounds for argument's sake uh, or even Healy Park, uh, then people will be saying, oh, my God, like, where are we going with this? Uh, and you get through that. But even if you get through that battle, then you're out in a quarterfinal a week later. So that's where it's a small enough level of jeopardy, but that's where the jeopardy is for teams who, you know, who don't impress during these group stages. Yeah, I'd love a Kerry Tyrone preliminary quarterfinal in Healy Park. With sign me up for that, uh, that one right away. That would certainly get people's interest uh, flowing. Martin, is there any other teams in a positive or negative way that have caught your eye over the first two rounds of of the All Ireland series that you were expecting more from, or that you're you know pleasantly surprised with how they've been going? Well, I suppose on the on the negative side, we we discussed. I suppose Kildare would that would be the standout one that's not uh, not living up to what we thought they might do. On the I suppose really you know, Galway and Mayo that once you get 100% two games there isn't much more you can do Cork I suppose will be will be pleased enough with what this what they did against Kerry they'll make they'll get into the preliminary quarterfinals they have they've uh, but other than that uh, Russ Common of course uh, their their performance against Dublin was perhaps the standout performance in a way of the thing so uh, coming to Cork Park and getting a draw and in the manner in which they got it I think was even more significant that they Two points down and looked at uh, that's it now that double uh, close it out. So I think they 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 were they were impressive. Um, elsewhere, uh, uh, Laud, for instance, have done well. I mean, they're after two games, they have no points, admittedly, but you know their scoring difference is only um, minus uh, minus three, and that's from playing Cork and playing Mayo. Unfortunately, it won't be enough for them, but they could be happy enough with what they're in the. I think that I've taken that at the start. It, it was that was unlikely they'd win any game, but that they're. After the Leinster final, they've been extremely competitive. Uh, Westmead, I suppose, again, very disappointed they didn't take something out of the, out of the Armagh game and very good for three quarters last last weekend against last Saturday against Galway. But uh, the, the Armagh game, I suppose, the disappointment for them they didn't at least take a point, which would uh, have, have uh, been a real boost for them. But overall, I suppose that, that with Mayo and Galway, the only two on on on, on four points in two games, unusual as well. I suppose they're only they're only uh, Two teams would win, would be on four points, but uh, um, they they will be happy enough on what they've what they've seen. Even yesterday with Mayo and Loud, I mean, 
they could have got caught in the end, but um, they didn't, and that's all that counts. At the end of it all, when this is and this day forward, now we're discussing this. All that matters is the final table, and uh, Mayo will be will be uh, top of the table of their table at that stage. Yeah, Frank, it was probably an important day for Derry yesterday as well. Like a paper maybe looked like a, a tricky trip to Bally Buffet, considering Donegala got off the mark with, with a victory, and especially Derry drawing with Monaghan. Obviously, you know, Rory Gallagher stepping aside, there was a lot of uncertainty. But to kind of restate maybe their all Ireland credentials with a, quite an emphatic victory yesterday, does that push them back towards the top of that conversation for you, or, or more than maybe before the match? Well, uh, probably more so. It definitely pushes them back into the conversation. And uh, what was notable now, I, I, I only got to see the highlights late last night coming back from, from Clonus, but was, you know, we, we saw some of those evolving dairy traits that can make them so dangerous is how good they are on the counter-attack. Um, you know, the speed with which they break from defence. And I mean, all three, all three goals basically stem from from uh, defenders basically attacking that pace through the middle. The third one was from a from a turnover, um, you know, between McCluskey and McKinless setting up the three goals. I mean, they looked they looked back in back in the zone. They scored was it three fourteen I think or something like that. While Shane McGuigan was held to a point from play, so that has to be a positive. Um, now again, Donegal, despite their victory over Clare, uh, and probably an improved performance for you know 55, 60 minutes uh, yesterday, you know they're no longer really in the All Ireland conversation. So we probably have to see the real, the real litmus test of of Derry yet. And but in fairness, some people might have expected that I won't say they'd unravel, but you know they just wouldn't be quite the same force with all the upheaval, change of manager mid-season. But there were there were there have been very few indications of that so far. Uh, I'd say less positively, I would say, is Armagh. I mean, Armagh, even though they will probably advance, have been a disappointment so far. I mean, the, the Westmead game, I saw a line this morning say, ah, they were always going to win it, even though they left late. They weren't always going to win it. I mean, they were staring into the abyss with a few minutes left there. And the goal that basically won that game from them had a large element of luck. It was Reen O'Neill taking a pot shot for a point that fell short and and uh, Andrew Mernon got a vital flick on it to set up the goal for Conor Turbot. But, um, do you know, otherwise they would have lost that game. Uh, and then even against Tyrone, while they created goal chances, they were, there was an awful lot of the kind of this passive play that we've seen from where they basically retreat back to their own 45 and don't engage the opposition until that point. And and in a way, you know, Tyrone picked them off because of that. Uh, and they're going to be without Reno O'Neill the next day because of, you know, a really stupid sending off as well. Um, so, I mean, they have not either they have not pushed on as some people might have thought they would. Yeah, it seems a long time since that cracking quarterfinal and that game in Croke Park against Dublin in the league when they were really tearing them apart. They looked to be the coming team with a great kind of cut and thrust up, up front as well, but that seems to have fallen a bit by the wayside as well. Martin, before we finish up, we might just quickly look at the Talchon Cup as well. I suppose it's even more kind of in the shadows when you have so much Sam Maguire matches on every weekend, but any teams in that in particular that have caught your eye that you're, that you're, that you're interested to see how they've been doing or playing? Well, Cavan, uh, I mean, I, I, Cavan lost the final last year and and uh, I think they're determined to... to uh, uh, make amends if you like this year and give themselves the option of getting into the into the uh, uh, the Sam Maguire tier 
in the event of not making it via the via the also championship or the league. They've topped the, their group thirty one uh, three games with a uh, scoring difference of plus thirty one. Mead uh, topped the group scoring difference of plus twenty two, and Antrim topping their group plus twenty three. So they're the three teams I think that would have stand up. But Cavan definitely, I think, I uh, Cavan would probably do better than some of the teams in in. Um, in, in, in the Sam Maguire tier, I think they will be absolutely flat out to win it this year because being in Ulster, getting to a Ulster final is very difficult. They'll now come up to Division 2. That'll be difficult because, as we saw, Meads didn't, Meads didn't get in and the other finished. Uh, third, uh, they, they, they still didn't make it out of Division 2. Neither indeed, of course, did uh, 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 Clare or Limerick. Well, Clare made it via a different route, but they wouldn't have made it via the league. So, Cameron will be very determined, I think. They're the ones I'd be looking to and saying, I think they will be they're they they uh, they are shaping up to me like uh, like the winners. Yeah, Frank, I'll give you the last word. Then anything Talchin Cup related that's been jumping out to you from the last couple of weeks? Well, see, in in a way, yeah, it's not just a battle for who's going to win it. And and I agree with Martin that Cavan, I think, are the standout team. Uh, I mean, they will probably feel that they they let victories slip through their grasp against Westmead. You know, last summer that you know at one stage they definitely had the winning of that game. But the one actually team that strikes strikes me is Carlo because for the last year or two, you know, people would have been looking at Carlo as arguably one of the weakest teams in Division Four. You know, the Carlo Rising was a, a kind of a long forgotten reef era there of, uh, four or five years ago when there was all positivity around the county. But they've beaten Wicklow, uh, who you know who had, had a very impressive year to date. And they followed up with a great comeback uh, against Longford there over the weekend. So what, what they've they've already qualified for the uh, the the prelim quarterfinals, but they've they've also taken out two two Leinster teams who would have been seen at their level or or maybe even slightly you know who had gone crept above them in the last few years. So uh, you know, so it's not every, like I don't think Carlo are going to win it, but they will come out of this. Uh, second tier championship this year feeling way more positive about themselves than than several other counties I would say yeah one of the good news stories of the last few weeks for the moment I'd like to thank Frank and Martin for joining me on this week's episode of the Toronto Football Podcast we will be back next week in the meantime you can follow us on Spotify Apple Podcasts or listen on independent.ie so until next time thanks for listening and goodbye this is an Irish independent podcast